Hi folks, Dallas Travers here, your host of Coaches on a Mission. This show is for values-driven coaches who want to quiet the noise, who want to get to work and build a business that's authentic, of course, one that's profitable, and most importantly, one that makes a difference in people's lives. My guest today is Toya Gavin, who helps women of color transition from the jobs they were trained in to the careers that they were built for. When Toya first started coaching, she focused on helping women in the law find better jobs, which for Toya felt like a neat and tidy outcome in a nice linear path to follow. Now that Toya is leaning into a deeper purpose, a bit of a broader niche, she's been struggling a bit to articulate what her signature system actually is. Because the journey is different for every single client, the obstacles are less obvious and more deeply rooted in our society. But like me, Toya is a very linear thinker, so we both really wanted to find a way to communicate the layered, nuanced, and extremely important purpose of her work to accomplish three different things. First, Toya wanted a syllabus, so to speak, that her clients can check in with in order to track their own progress, understand what might come next, and most importantly, easily reference tools that they've learned through the coaching experience. Second, Toya wanted a roadmap that she can rely on to keep her work, her message, and her marketing organized in her own mind. Ideally, this roadmap could even turn into the outline of a book one day. And lastly, Toya wanted to use her signature system as a marketing tool. So we had to figure out clear and hooky language to describe her work in a way that wouldn't diminish it. And you know what? I think we got there. This episode is sure to go down as one of my favorites, so I hope you're ready to take some notes. I believe that every coach, whether you know it or not, you've got a signature system. And when you spell it out, that system becomes the cornerstone of your work and of your marketing. All right, I've already been talking way too much. We need to get into this episode, so what am I waiting for? Let's get going with Toya Gavin. Hi, Toya. Hi, Dallas. Yay. (laughs) We just spent a few minutes preparing to hit the record button, and I have to say I'm really not totally sure where this conversation is going to go, and I'm really excited to find out. So thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited, too. So we've known each other for a while, Mm -hmm. and you just came back to The Hive about Mm -hmm. a month ago. How's your 30 days back in been for you so far? I'm trying to avoid that, like, I know this already bias because I don't because it's all new information and it's been updated. And I've been pleasantly surprised by the updates like, oh, okay, like, this is great. This is great. And what's affirming is the community is still wonderful. So Mm. I'm still like networking with folks and meeting folks and the chat is still active. So that aspect of feeling like I belong to a community and that I have co-workers is really exciting again. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, we're very happy to have you back. (laughs) So we've got an exciting opportunity to tackle together today. Can you Mm -hmm. fill our listeners in? We'll start with one thing at a time. What is it you want to take away from our time together today? And then I'm guessing we'll have some context to fill our listeners in with. Yes. Let's start with the goal. So the goal is to create a framework for my coaching business, which is Woke Up Worthy. I feel like I'm going to share the context already. Good. <laughs> Go I love ahead. It. <laughs> so when I first joined you, Dallas, years ago, I had a coaching business for attorneys. Mm-hmm. And Woke Up Worthy is actually a transition. I'm making my coaching business now serving women of color. So it's a broader audience. And so I'm trying to develop a framework for that audience, which is different and distinct from the framework that I had for lawyers. Yeah. Tell our listeners a little bit more about the distinctions. So with women of color specifically, Mm -hmm. in addition to talking about, say, like limiting beliefs, right? So limiting beliefs is like a coaching term that all coaches know, and it's just things that hold you back. But for women of color and actually people of marginalized communities, it's not just limiting beliefs. There is oppression that has been internalized that holds us back as well. 
And there's the reality that there will be oppressive forces, unfortunately, that will affect our progress. And so my coaching differs in fact that we're talking about that and we're talking about ways to navigate those issues. And we're talking about practices to help us recognize and overcome when oppressive messages have been internalized and stop us from making progress. And so with lawyers, I didn't have that discussion, right? With lawyers, I was talking about how do we transition from a different practice area or something like that. And I wasn't talking about sort of this more personal inner work, I would say. Yes. So I'm going to get pretty close here. Mm -hmm. Back when you served lawyers, if I remember correctly, your dream client power statement was something like, I help Black women in the law find better jobs. It was just women in the law. Just women in the law. Just women in the law. Mm -hmm. Mm Right. And so now can you share with our listeners your current dream client power statement? Yes. So it is, I help women of color transition from the jobs they were trained in to the careers they were built for. I love it so much. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you to say it again, even though I really want to, because I love (laughs) it so much. Okay. So here's what I understand. Mm -hmm. Back when you served lawyers, that process felt very linear. Mm -hmm. And even if there was a lot of coaching involved, it didn't, the goals didn't really require this deeper conversation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that now you feel so enlivened by and you want to bring to the forefront of your work. And that deeper conversation is, yeah, coaching is great and coaching can help you, but it's not enough to just shift your limiting beliefs if you come from a marginalized community and you are dealing with external oppression Mm -hmm. and the oppression that's been internalized. Exactly. Just when some of the clients that I had when I was doing my legal work were women of color, and I just noticed that the limiting beliefs conversation wasn't hitting the mark, particularly when we were talking about microaggressions at work or things that happened. I mm-hmm. needed a different language. I needed more tools. Yeah. And that recognition kind of sent me down this path of, okay, yeah. how do I serve women of color in this way and really kind of serve all their needs so that they're getting what they want out of the coaching, our coaching together? I'm so happy you're walking this path, Toya. It's so needed in the coaching space. Mm -hmm. So thank you for really hearing that calling and taking action in that way. It's really powerful. Inspires me a lot. Thanks, Dallas. So what I understand here is that before the framework seemed neat and tidy, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> right? Yes. And now the framework is anything but. There might be specific elements, but every pillar or every mm-hmm. box that you might tick on the framework has nuances and layers to it. Mm-hmm. So you're struggling to make it concise. Is that accurate? Or yes. what's the struggle? Yeah. Make it concise because I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. Like there is what I do actually with clients, right? And for me, I think the framework in that sense is really for me. So I feel like I'm providing all the things, like hitting all the points I want to hit on, right? Because coaching, we can go anywhere. Then there's the framework of how do I explain this thing or market this thing in a way that makes sense? And then the third thing is, is if I was to write this down or do a manual or a book or something, how do I explain these in a concise way that leads to result in coaching? And yes. you're right. My past coaching practice with the lawyers, I just had like, it was more linear, like career. I had a little plath. We, I called it a good career canvas. We got the canvas. It just felt very, okay. And, you know, I'm doing, using my coaching skills in the conversations, but the path felt much more linear. So now, even if the path was linear, what I'm hearing you say is the coaching (laughs) and the skills and the tools suddenly turn a straight path into what might look like an oak tree with so many branches and places that you could go. Yes. Yes. Okay. So just to summarize for our listeners, I'm hearing three utilities for a framework. One is... How can I use it as a coach to make sure that the coaching is, to use your language, hitting the mark, Mm -hmm. right? To make sure I'm delivering on the promise Mm 
and mm-hmm. serving my clients. Number two, how can I then take that roadmap, if you will, and turn it into a manual that people understand and can mm-hmm. utilize? And then lastly, how do I talk about this thing, you know, through the marketing lens? Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. Let's right. see what we can accomplish today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's okay with you, I want to experiment with using your previous practice and the way you develop that framework as a template to get okay. started. So when we think about Legally Bold and you recall designing the career canvas, take me through the process that you followed to design that framework. So for that framework, I actually took a career coaching program. And so there were steps, right? They talked about values. They talked about your work environment. They talked about salary, those types of things. And I added a couple of things to that. And I just kind of call it like in my head, I was like, this is what would make up a good career. And then I was like, it would be cool if I could give my clients like a one sheet thing for a good career so they could take it anywhere. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to call it the good career canvas. And really what it was, was a summary of all the initial things that we talked about around them that makes a good career for them. How much money do they want to make? What type of environment? What is their purpose for working? Why do we want to work? Your values, all of those, right? So then we did that. And then I was like, okay, we have this. Now I got to get them the job or get them wherever they want to go next. So then it was the development of a job search plan. A lot of my clients were like mid-career or senior professionals. And just the research shows that they get their jobs through networking. It's like 80% through networking. So I knew I had to do a lot on networking skills. So we talked a lot about networking skills, personal branding online, how to reach out to people, those sorts of things, and sort of made a plan that they could continue on with or without me. So then the last part of it was just accountability to the plan. And so those steps were like, okay, it just felt easy to market. I was like, step one is we build this canvas. Step two is... (laughs) You know, it just felt very like, and I summarized it, I think, into four steps on the website. Like one was the plan. I think, no, one was assessing where they were. Two was the Mm -hmm. canvas. Three was the job search plan. And then four, I called like future proofing, which was about like personal branding and networking. Yeah. And it just felt very easy to kind of put it in those four buckets. What for me would make this so easy is that Step four actually always comes forth. And step one is always the place where we begin. And I'm sensing with Woke Up Worthy, it's not necessarily chronological, reliably chronological for every client. Correct. What often happens initially, I would say, Woke Up Worthy is women will come to me with say like, oh, I want to do this thing. I want to get a promotion, let's say. Mm-hmm. And really, one of the issues with internalized impression that I found is that women of color often come to me to get help getting what they think they can get, not what they actually want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they don't believe that they can get what they actually want. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole conversation that I have to have sometimes around, let's name it, even if we don't think we can get it, even if we think this is impossible, right? And I'm not talking about like, I'm a Beyonce dancer. I'm talking about just like, <laughs> like real things that are possible yeah. that they really feel like, let me just keep all of my options open and see what I'm able to get. Cause I'm not really sure I can actually yep. get it. So they even come just, in, they come being, in I'm using air quotes, like being realistic. Right. Okay. And so there's Mm -hmm. a whole conversation. Sometimes I have to have that conversation. Like first we have to admit what we really want. Sometimes Mm -hmm. what we really want is like, we need a break. (laughs) Like we need need a break. We're tired or I'm overwhelmed and I need to acknowledge that. Like there's like parts to it. And so you're right. We're never really starting in the same place. It's really like based on the conversation and the coaching that I understand like, okay, this is where we need to go first. Okay. So what I heard you say when you explained your process for how you came up with the process for Legally Bold, number one, there were pillars. This was provided through the career coaching certification Mm -hmm. that you got, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there were like pillars or buckets, themes that everybody, every client who's looking for a career change, themes that you're going to touch on. Then for you, it was about identifying the tools, the actions. I'm going to use the word process 
the process, and this could be customized for each client, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the process the client is going to implement in order to hit on each of those pillars to arrive right. or check each pillar off their list. Right. Once the process was done, it was about executing the plan and staying accountable. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So what about that approach do you feel won't apply to Woke Up Worthy? I can even ask that in a different way. What would we have to change about that approach in order for it to apply to Woke Up Worthy? With Woke Up Worthy, there is some teachings or understandings that we have to come to first, like Mm -hmm. about what internalized oppression is, what it looks like, how it shows up. That feels different. And maybe it's because like everyone knows the language of like jobs and career. So I didn't have to like, Uh, I didn't have to explain what like networking really, like I could give a definition, but people have heard of networking before, right? And they know what it feels like kind of. So it feels like there's more of a teaching around that. Mm -hmm. Then some of the tools, because of my um, coaching certification, I did an embodiment coaching certification, which is for me as a lawyer, I would say it was way out of my comfort zone. And I'm glad I did it because the tools that I need, I think that were really helpful for me are those types of tools where it's more like EFT or or, um, emotional freedom technique is very helpful. Things that feel, for lack of a better word, more woo-woo, And I think I feel I'm not sure how to introduce those things in a way that doesn't come off like, what is this woman doing? (laughs) Yes. What is she talking about? And then I would say the third aspect of it is a lot of this because it's a practice, right? Because oppression isn't going away. Mm -hmm. So we collectively agree to do something about it. It's going to be here. You're going to continue to have to use tools to move through it. And that requires also building a community of people that you that support you, that trust you. And I find that a lot of women of color, they tend to be like the strong one. And so they're not yeah. telling anybody what's going on. They're not having mm-hmm. really vulnerable conversations. Mm-hmm. And how do I explain, I guess, in a coaching practice or in a framework, explain the need like to build community as well? It just feels, I guess for me, this is important, but also developing this is outside of my comfort zone. I am a linear person. I am a linear thinker. And so this feels like, whoa, what are you doing now? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) I have some thoughts. I feel like this work is so important and the opportunities for the various, all of the countless circumstances that occur in the life of every client you will serve, right? Mm -hmm. There is no way that we're going to be able to create a manual that covers all of it. Right. So we've got to just give ourselves permission to design a framework that gives people enough of an understanding so that they know how to get started and they know how to come back when they have found themselves off track. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to just reflect back some of the things that I heard and what I understand. It sounds like, and it may look different for each client, but it sounds like there is, in fact, a starting place Mm -hmm. for all of your clients, and it's to really understand eternalized oppression. Mm -hmm. So the conversation begins there. And then what's coming up for me, Toya, is maybe with each of these, if we can find them, I'll call them milestones or Mm -hmm. topic themes, right? Your framework can identify the outer obstacles, how internalized oppression is playing a role, the tools to utilize, and the practices to rely on. So -hmm. the tools are going to be the actions like networking, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And then the practices are going to be tapping Mm -hmm. in the back of the Uber on your way there so that you show up feeling really grounded. Right, right, right. And I don't actually believe it's helpful to share too much about the practices, mm-hmm. about what the specific practices are mm-hmm. until you got to pull them out of your toolbox and use them with the client. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's almost, it's just, first of all, too much information. So now I'm confused and I'm not going to say yes. And secondly, too easy to misunderstand, which I gets on, to use your language, which that whole woo-woo factor, right? So right. suddenly your credibility is being questioned or like the, the question comes up like, wait, what are we actually doing and why? Right. 
So how would you feel about us trying? Let's see if we can come up with the Venn diagram. Okay, it's not a linear process, but the Venn diagram of the key pillars, 90% of your clients are going to arrive at. All right. And then with each one of those pillars, let's see if we can outline, just define for them, what are the outer obstacles with each pillar? How do we now can talk about each outer obstacle through the lens of internalized oppression? And then what might be the actions that they will learn through coaching and the embodiment practices to help anchor those things in? Okay. So I've got my eyes closed because I'm like mentally logging into Canva right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm almost picturing the framework, the graphic of the framework, starting with at the top of the page, almost an umbrella of internalized oppression. This is the thing mm-hmm. we do first. There's nothing around it or beside it. This is where we begin. Everything after that is a little bit of a choose your own adventure, right? Okay. So imagine, and it might be helpful to think about a woke up worthy client that you have mm-hmm. worked with or are currently working with. Mm-hmm. We can call mm-hmm. this person Jane. Okay. So imagine Jane, let's keep Jane in mind. Jane comes to you. What is Jane's goal? Jane wants to transition from, well, actually she she's a medical professional mm-hmm. and she wants to keep that title, but she also wants to develop a program, a course, something to help with medical professionals and mental health. There's a big stigma around mental health, which is so funny, for mental health professionals. Yeah. They go through anxiety, depression, their like suicide rates, all of that. So she feels like that's really her calling. So Jane's sitting in front of you. She's sharing this goal. Mm -hmm. What's the next thing that the two of you do together? Because this is an actual like client, right? So I'm yeah. thinking back to like I yeah. have do the the initial kind of conversations like client urge, and mm-hmm. so we talked about strengths and challenges in that you mm-hmm. know that conversation. And one of the challenges that she was talking about was like essentially she was afraid of failure. She was trying to decide whether she should enroll in a bunch of courses or what she should do next, and she was afraid of failing and not serving the serving her uh, client base well. And what I heard there, which is an issue that like I picked up on the oppression there is because she had tied in her worth Mm -hmm. with whether this thing was successful, right? And so one of the things that happens for the women of color that I've seen in generally is that because the messaging is always like, you're not good enough, we kind of tie our worth to one thing. And it's whether you're beautiful or smart or this or that. And anytime there's a threat to that, it feels like we're not worthy. And so with this client, I recognize that. And I said like, okay, like we were talking about this entrepreneurship thing. And I always compare entrepreneurship to like the sport. I was like, Mm -hmm. one thing you're guaranteed to do in a sport is lose. So one guarantee, you're definitely going to lose a game, yeah. right? <laughs> right? And so I was like, so entrepreneurship is like that. You're going to be taking chances and guaranteed something's not going to work. So we have to unhook our worth from this outcome. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of had a conversation with her about like how that happens with oppression. And she, once we had that conversation, it opened up everything because she was like, that is exactly it. Like I f- have been feeling like I'm not good enough. Right? Yes. And yeah. it's the messaging, right? You don't even realize you're swimming in the soup of the messaging. So what she started with is I had this goal, right? Yep. And then when I did uh, the client search method of, you know, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, that part of the conversation mm-hmm. with different language. And then I heard what she said. I was like, oh, this is about this. Got it. And it became a whole other conversation. Is this yes. making, is, is this, I'm, I'm oh, just, I feel yes. like I'm, hope I'm answering the question. Okay. I'm excited for you to listen back to this recording because Mm -hmm. you are so much more clear on your framework than I think. You're so close to it that you can't hear how clear you are. I'm going to reflect back. So it sounds like step one, and we're using numbers and we're calling them steps, but we understand it's not linear, okay? Right, right, right. Right. (laughs) So step one is to identify a goal. Mm-hmm. And then however you get there, for Jane, it was this strengths and challenges conversation, mm-hmm. right? But however you get there, the next step is to unhook, help the client understand that they need to unhook their worth from the outcome. 
Yes. Which then opens the conversation up to how do we understand internalized oppression and all of the many shapes that it takes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Coaches on a Mission. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Okay. Yes. Identifying the goal, like you said, is first. That makes it clear. And then however we get there to understanding that, because that is the next step. It always shows up where we are hooking our worth to this one thing. And and it's always an outcome. Yeah. We don't control outcomes. And that conversation opens up so much more because a lot of the women that I work with are like high achieving women who quote unquote defied the odds. Mm, So mm -hmm. we believe we can control the outcomes because everything up until now we have controlled the out. We studied, we got the A. We tried, we got the scholarship. We ended up here. We ended up there. And so when we're confronted with (laughs) how life happens for humans, it's like, wait a minute, maybe I, they were right. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe all these demons in the back of my mind that I've been ignoring and pushing away are true. And right. now we have to unpack right. all of that. So it's this idea that if I can't control the outcome, then I can't control my worth. Yes, exactly. Wouldn't it be great if you could just build your business focusing on your strengths? I see too many coaches struggling to fit into a certain mold and they ignore the easy path. So let's put an end to that. What I want you to do is go to dallastravers.com slash quiz. I've put together a 45 second superpower quiz designed to reveal two things. Number one, The very next step in your business, whether that's list building, client attraction, or scaling with a course. And number two, the natural strength you possess to help you accomplish that task. When you get your results, you'll also get a custom built toolkit with actionable items you can put in place right away to finally make this growth path simpler because you're doing what you do best. So the link again is dallastravers.com slash quiz. Go and check it out and then let me know on Instagram how you scored. The framework so far is identifying the goal and the real goal. Right. 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 (laughs) The real goal. Then unhooking worth from the outcome. This Mm -hmm. opens the door to conversations about internalized oppression. So now... Imagine I'm Jane. Wow, the light bulb is coming on. Now there's this permission structure for me to explore internalized oppression Mm -hmm. and begin unpacking all of that. Mm -hmm. What happens from there and beginning to have this understanding about internalized oppression, then what's Jane doing? And I think this is where I get confused too, because there's still the goal, right? Like if you're building a business, right? So now that we have this conversation of, okay, I'm unhooking, usually what I do is like, I'll do like a journaling exercise for them Mm -hmm. because I want them to kind of identify where it might be showing up in other places. And so that's kind of like, I guess, the self-evaluation or self-reflection part. But then I might have like a whole other line that's more linear with like, okay, now that we've identified the goal, like what do we want to accomplish in the next three months towards building this business? Maybe it's we want to build a business plan. Maybe it's I want to have a job search plan. So it seems like there's a practical branch if you will, Mm -hmm. and then a self-reflection branch. Mm -hmm. And what tends to happen is as we're stepping along this practical branch, Mm -hmm. the issues for the self-reflection branch come to light and Mm -hmm. we have to do practices with that. So I can think of, as an example, another client who was, she was a partner at a firm. She wanted to transition into a completely new position, a, a completely new field, And I convinced her that like, nobody's going back to school. You're too far along. We're going to make this happen for you. (laughs) First, she's like, I think I need to go to school. I was like, no one's going back to school. We're not doing that. (laughs) And during that process, we were able to transition. But during the process, she wanted to make a, it was like a Juneteenth thing. And she wanted to kind of celebrate that at her farm. And she sent out this email and got this really like microaggressive email back. It was very confronting all this stuff. And so that brought up a whole nother conversation about 
how do we handle when external oppression comes into the mix? How do we soothe ourselves and care for ourselves? In addition to, because the immediate thing is like, how should I respond? How is it going to affect my livelihood? There's all these questions. And then how do you care for yourself? Mm -hmm. So that's just an example of as we're doing the thing, this thing comes up and there needs to be tools to address that so you can keep going. So step three is begin to understand internalized oppression. Mm -hmm. Step 4A Mm-hmm. Right <laughs> is to design an action plan mm. to move toward the external goal. Mm-hmm. And then step 4B, I don't know if you're going to like this language, but it's something about develop practices to cultivate internalized elevation. Oh, I do like that. Develop practices, internalized elevation. Yeah. And so if we're thinking back to the mm-hmm. manual, the manual might be something like the roadmap that we're outlining here, mm-hmm. and then just a list of all of the different embodiment practices you may or may not use depending right. on the circumstances as yeah. the client moves through the process. And the client can use that, oop, yeah, we did learn about EFT. Let me check that one off my list. And I did. And you could even design it where once we learn a practice, you're going to check it off the list and then you're going to go through some self-reflection dur- journaling to identify recurring themes yeah. or circumstances when you can rely on this tool. I like that because in my brain, it's making something that's not linear, linear, so I can see it. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> so I can see it and it helps with like in the moment stuff. Like this yeah. is what's happening for me right now. And this is the tool I can rely on. And I can I like- imagine your clients who are high achieving, right? And they have had to take control of as much as humanly possible for them Mm -hmm. to have this little worksheet where, okay, here's the list of embodiment practices with a little box next to each of them. I can tick one off, right? And connect it back in an embodied way will also help them understand that they are indeed practicing Mm -hmm. this and living it. So I'm seeing that the other piece that's important to this, and I don't know if this is a step, is about building community and the vulnerability in community. What I also find, and I think this is just a part of oppression as well, is there's a lack of vulnerability because we're not sure we're safe in spaces, right? We're not sure we're safe. And so we're not really saying I'm scared or I'm afraid or this happened to me and it really hurt my feelings. And we're not necessarily taught to create that community, but you need, if you're going to move forward, you need it. Yeah. And so I haven't figured out other than that's why I was like, eventually I want this to be a group program because in my hand yeah. is like, I'll just, I'll create the community for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And we're all mm-hmm. going to be in this thing. And I will model in my coaching business, like how to be vulnerable and real and say, I'm trying this new thing, y'all. I'm scared <laughs> or whatever. So that we can open that up. Yeah. Um, that's an can important you, part of yeah. it. I wrote it down. It's probably, it's funny because step four, A and B, it's not a step. It's a journey. It's, <laughs> those are both right. a process. But if we're just looking at the, right. a framework, right? right? So then the fifth component here is building community. Can you talk for a minute, Toya? What are your thoughts around vulnerability? How practicing vulnerability works to heal internalized oppression? What I think, I think the best way to explain this is like, I always just use examples, right? So this is another client and she was like a client a few years ago and she came back and she was talking about all of these things that happened during this time. It was a lot like a parent was ill, had a job, there was, she was passed over for a promotion. It was just thing after thing, after thing, after thing. And what I said to her when she was done is, I said, because she was like, but what I really want to do is X, right? Like, I really want to get to this. And so that's why I'm calling you now. I'm excited to see you. And I stopped and I said, I want to stop and acknowledge that even though you didn't say it, I heard you and I'm sorry those things are happening for you. And I'm sorry that you are feeling, because I can feel the overwhelm in her voice. 
Yeah. And yeah. just by saying that it gave, she was like, thank you for saying that I am overwhelmed and I'm scared. And I don't feel like I have a place to say that because I need to manage all of these things. Right. Yeah. And right. so I think how oppression fits in is that we are so used to just, you keep going, right? Like you keep, you have this goal, you have to keep going, you have to be excellent, you have to push through. You don't get to feel, you don't get to cry. You don't get to say that hurt me. You don't get to say I'm lonely. And if you say it, you feel like, and I remember saying this, especially when I was like dating and stuff, like I feel like a sucker. <laughs> like who says they're lonely? It's like humans. Right, humans, humans, yes. And so I think one of the things that internalized oppression robs us of is this ability to accept our humanness Mm -hmm. and to say it's okay to be flawed and it's okay to cry and it's okay not to be excellent all the time. And it's okay to like sit on your couch and eat ice cream, even though you should be doing something else, because guess what? That's what all humans do. But we feel like we are not living up to the dream or whatever if we're doing that. And so that's to me where vulnerability fits in, because one, I think we are detached from our feelings so much. We don't even know what we feel because we don't say Uh it. And Mm -hmm. that changes everything. Once you're able to express your feelings and know what you're feeling, then you're able to kind of move through it. Yeah. So it's to me, it's extremely important. It was extremely important for me. And so it's brought me to this place of why I'm coaching and why I'm doing this thing. Right. Right. I can see that's where the attachment, that's where it links up with me. Yep. It kinda, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. So I understand what you're saying. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about your framework. Now I got my marketing hat on for a mm-hmm. second, okay? So your framework is printed on a sheet of paper and you leave it in the back of a lift, right? Mm-hmm. The person who gets in to pick it up. What do we call this fifth thing of building community so people understand that it's more than a Facebook group where people are rooting each other on or they don't mistake it as yet another environment to deepen internalized oppression because now we all have to have our shiny exterior Mm -hmm. on and Mm -hmm. cheering for each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's something, and this may not land for you at all, but there's something for me around, I am realizing listening to you that I make a lot of assumptions about what community means. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if there's a different, yes, you're building a community, but is there a different word for this milestone? Right, right, right. Community is kind of what is the, it's the plane, maybe not the destination. The word that's coming to me is like relationship as opposed to community. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. It feels safe. It feels like it's a place where you can say like, I don't know and I'm scared. When I was thinking about that flyer example, like what came to me is like, what if it was just like, I don't know and I'm scared. Like, was this like the, the step five? Step? I don't know and I'm scared. <laughs> and I'm scared I'm going to fail or something like that. That that quote came up and it mm-hmm. feels more like relationship building. It feels yeah like a place where you are seen, right? And able to really see yourself. And I definitely want to distinguish it from a Facebook community. Mm-hmm. because in my mind, when I was thinking about the group coaching, I was thinking like I would do small groups and they would have like a cohort and like, this is where we could go and like really talk. Yeah. <laughs> I think yes. about, I'm a new mom and I'm in a mom's group and it's like a group of 11 of us. And you know, when you're up and the baby's up at one o'clock in the morning and you can text uh, somebody else at one o'clock in the morning, and they're up with you. There is a intimacy there, a trust Like we're in this together that I think is fortifying our friendship for forever because we were up at 4 a.m. It's like, are you up? Yes. Are you up? Yes. We're all up. (laughs) We're all up. And this baby is crying and I don't know why. (laughs) Right. Intimacy. That's also a really interesting word. Okay. Mm -hmm. So step one here is to clarify the real goal. Step two is to unhook your self-worth from the outcome. Step three is to begin to understand internalized oppression. Step four is two parts. The first part is developing the action plan to seek out the goal. As you do that, you'll also develop embodiment practices to cultivate internalized elevation. Mm -hmm. Then step five is, what are the words that are coming to you? Step five is... 
what's coming is building relationships, but that doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a book by Dr. Brittany Cooper called Eloquent Rage. And she called like these meetings with her friend, like homegirl intervention or something like that, uh-huh. which is cute, but it's not an intervention because intervention sounds confrontational, mm-hmm. but it's like, gosh, it's like, you know, the love between Anna and Anna, what is it, Anna, her sister and Frozen, like that type <laughs> of like, where can I do that? <laughs> where I can be myself and they know all my secrets and I'm okay here. I'm safe here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> is it about like, I don't know if this is worse or better, but mm-hmm. like practicing, re- like practice relationshiping. We can like turn relationship yeah. into a verb. Yeah. I think that's a good place to start. I was going to say, I think you've got a little homework on that one. And here's why I think this will be valuable to coin your own term. That mm-hmm. way people cannot make assumptions about the shallowness of step five. Right. That, that's my concern by just cultivate relationships or build community. We've all heard that or tried that or been in a relationship or community that was not safe. So maybe as an action item for you, you can play around with what is the... What is the word there? What's the word? But I What's like the word pro- you want to create? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I like the start of practice relationshiping because that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it's yeah. relationshiping with yourself and mm-hmm. others. Did we just create the beginning of a framework? Yeah. <laughs> yes. In 44 minutes. <laughs> we did. We started and I thought, okay, this is definitely going to be like a 75-minute episode. People are going to love it. And here we are. <laughs> There's more to talk about. but Yes. No, that's great. That's great. Yes, practice relationship with yourself. I'm just thinking of this is the framework of where I want to go. Now what comes to mind is like, how do I sell this? (laughs) In my head, like, how do I market this? Because this, it's so, it feels so intertwined and branchy and not like in a neat little step one, call this person step two, (laughs) right? I, when I think about your dream client, so, you know, inside the hive, we talk about the awareness ladder, even if Mm -hmm. you haven't gotten to that module yet, Mm -hmm. you've probably heard that idea before, Mm -hmm. right? For our listeners, just in case the awareness ladder has three phases at the bottom are people who are either unaware or pain aware. They really feel like this is the way the world works. They have no agency. Then they start to realize that maybe there's a problem here that could be solved. I don't know if I want to or if I'm capable of it, but maybe this isn't just a law like gravity. And then at the top of the awareness ladder, they believe that the problem is worth solving and they might even be capable of solving it with the right support. So, For me, your audience is going to get totally lit up and feel such relief, like you described with our friend Jane, (laughs) (laughs) to hear you naming internalized oppression. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to assume that your content, that when people come to you ready, they're going to agree that internalized mm-hmm. oppression is solution. They want to actively seek a solution to that. And they believe that that is the path toward their goal. You're nodding. So that feels true to you? That feels true to me. Like, I think through the marketing, when I like write about it in my newsletters and, and like people mm-hmm. are like telling me like, yes, this is you giving me language for what I felt. And so I think they're kind of in that they know something is wrong, but they don't have the word for it. And then once they have the word for it, they're like, yes, this is it. This is it. So what I'm envisioning when it comes to the marketing of it, it's almost narrating your contrarian approach, like being contrarian. So I'm going to do my best to make something up here. Okay. Right. So there are five pillars inside of my The Woke Up Worthy framework. It all starts with a goal. In the past, you've accomplished your goals through brute force. When you understand internalized oppression, you move toward your goals 
in XYZ way. From there, and in order to do that, we have to unhook your worth from the outcome. In the past, here's how worth and outcome have shown up for you. And now here's how it can. So you're actually narrating, um, reflecting to them. Here's been your experience up until now, Mm -hmm. and it will be very familiar. And this can be your experience with the woke up worthy approach. Okay. And it's all rooted in this conversation of internalized oppression. Right. And so conversations like that, is that something I'm thinking about like website versus social video or content on my website is there something like at the top this is this you know like you said it used to be like this your goal setting was like this and now it'll be like this yes okay and almost you're so clear and lit up when you talk about this almost like don't sit down to write it talk it I mean you're also your newsletter is so excellent I'll we'll link it everyone in the show notes. It's so well-written. So whatever you do to write that stuff, mm-hmm. get in that space. Okay. And I, I actually see your website. If you think about a more traditional sales page, it's mm-hmm. like hooky headline, right? And then w- the job is to help them know that we understand their experience. So mm-hmm. we, we we're leaning into the pain. Mm-hmm. In that section, it would just be leaning into essentially the before today and after today. Mm-hmm. I'm even picturing if you want, there's a world where there could be a very simple high-level graphic. So if we think about the client surge model and mm-hmm. we send that invite letter, the invite letter could include a graphic where there's a horizontal line through the middle of the page. On that line are these five steps. Below the line with step one in the past, it was, and it's just maybe adjectives to describe it or a quick sentence. Mm-hmm. With woke up worthy, here's how it's different. And that's above the line. Yeah. So now I have this graphic where, okay, below the line, this has been my, it's gotten me here and I'm mm-hmm. tired. What'd you say? I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm scared or I'm scared I, and I don't know what to do. I'm just scared <laughs> and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. Right. And then above the line, this is what it looks like. This is what so I think there's like. a world where a very simple snapshot of the difference mm-hmm. can be literally illustrated. Yeah. And then in your content, you pick one of these, right? Mm-hmm. You tell the story of Jane, who had this vision of helping to serve mental health professionals. And you noticed internalized oppression showing up and she hadn't even acknowledged it, right? right. And here's what happened when she acknowledged it. This is why the second thing we do in our framework is or the third thing we do is to begin to understand internalized oppression. So there's so much content that can come out of these five steps. Yeah. Always speaking through the framework of the before and the after. Okay. Is that landing for you? It is landing for me. This is like a, a separate topic, but in my head, it's like, I am passionate about what I do and I like to talk about it and I like to coach. I think where I feel like I am struggling is I have marketing ideas and then I'm not, for whatever reason, this is my issue of like putting myself out there more. The newsletter I love because I love to write it. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you. But I need to, in my head, I'm like, this is the message. This is how I want to help people. And I'm like gearing myself up for this marketing hat that I've been kind of doing, but not really, kind, you know, just kind of yeah. in the, that space of it. Well, this is the first step. Yeah. And I want to just say that when you get into content confidence, which is course number four in mm-hmm. the hive, there's a framework and a system there that you can drop right into. And what I have found with that framework is now like it becomes your sandbox. So now that I know the borders of my playground, it's easier to actually play. And I yeah. just an observation, this may or may not land, but I have this sense that you're thinking uh, perhaps too much of the big picture and wanting to include everything <laughs> yes. in every, like yes. in one post. And that's like yes. good luck. So now if we look at it through these five steps, so maybe there's a world where you get inspired, something happens with a client and you're like, I know there's content here. But the second we go to, all right, but I got to fit all, I have to have this nuanced conversation about internalized oppression and talk about updating your resume. It's too much. (laughs) Right. But with content confidence, we take one story and turn it into a week's worth of content. So you have one piece of content about the internalized oppression piece and another piece of content about tapping and how it relates back to yesterday's post 
post and Mm -hmm. then a conversation about internalized depression. So we'll give you more breathing room. And I want to just suggest with every piece of social content, right? In a newsletter, you can make more than one point, right? right? You can tell a bigger story. Every piece of social content, we're really only making one point, right? Anything more than that. And it's, we're working harder than we need to. And I feel that, like, because I feel like yeah. my social content, like, every time, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've avoided because it, it feels so overwhelming. And I think because I'm looking at it like a blog post, which is where I write about all the thoughts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And try to make sense of, okay, how can I make this actionable and helpful for somebody? So I love this. Okay. Wow. So I have a framework, Dallas. This is very exciting. You have a framework. You have a framework. This is very exciting. Cause I I've love been- it noodling over this for so long and I can see this and I love the umbrella example of like internalized oppression being the umbrella over everything and then kind of like because it's visual and I can see it. So what are your next steps based on our conversation today? The next steps are I think I what I would like to do is to get these steps on my website. So write them out mm-hmm. clearly and put them on the website. And then that will help me kind of move forward with how I'm talking about it in different ways. And like, this is the framework with which I'm talking about it. And right now I'm just going to leave practice relationshiping and I feel like I'll come to a word or not or something, but I've learned, I don't want to get stuck. So use what you got. Agreed. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Dallas. Yeah, of course. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited about this. Really excited about this. Me too. I want to invite you again, listen to this recording because you're going to hear how I actually didn't do much. I just like said to you what I heard you say. So thank you for making my life so easy. Go back and listen because I think it's going to affirm to you how that you're clearer than you thought. Yeah. It's so funny how you can't hear it. It's so true, right? I can't hear because I've been noodling this around. For a while, I got lots of notes. <laughs> <laughs> at least you have something to think about when you're up at 1 a.m. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> lots of notes, lots of ideas. And then we're here and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I, oh, that's perfect. That's five things. That's yeah. five things. That's five yeah. things. Yeah. Great. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I want to mm-hmm. thank our listeners for tuning in. Go back. Here we are at the end. Go back, re-listen. You can take yourself through the process that Toya and I just went through. I want to point out where we began, Mm -hmm. and that was I pinpointed an area where you've done this before, Mm -hmm. and that can often be a really great jumping off point when you're not sure where to begin. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have, it could have been something like you have a really great routine for how you always plan for vacations. And then I would have asked you, all right, so take me through how you do that. Mm -hmm. And we would have used that as a framework. So for those of you listening, if you're wondering how to create magic, like what you just witnessed, there's a starting point for you. Yeah. Thanks, Toya. Thank you, Dallas. (laughs) All right, folks, we'll see you back here next Sunday. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. Do all of the things (laughs) to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us, and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So let's be Insta friends. Head on over to Instagram and look for my new handle. Again, it's Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. You can do that now and you just might find some funny reels while you're there. So believe me when I tell you, it'll be worth it. Okay, thanks again for tuning in. I truly appreciate that you make time to listen to this show and I hope you have a wonderful week.